Welcome to Girl at the Mic podcast, where inspiration and wisdom comes from the raw and imperfect places in our lives. Sometimes I'll speak directly to you and others you'll sit with me and a friend as we share our experiences and lessons. Listen to recognize yourself and draw hope for your journey. My hope is that these episodes leave you empowered to be unapologetically you in a world that has trained us all to be small. My name is Anne, and I thank you for choosing Girl at the Mic. Welcome back to Girl at the Mic. Today, it's just about the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. And so before we close out this month, I do want to touch on mental health. I know I've talked about my own mental health journey in a on the podcast, but more so in passing, and I've never gone into detail about it. So today I want to share my experience um, in hopes that it's helpful in some sort of way. And also, I was just invited to be a part of a panel earlier this week, and I realized, you know, I think that'd be important to share on my podcast as well. And so I want to thank Amanda for inviting me to her honesty hour and her event so I can open up that conversation and be a part of that panel. Um, And in addition, that inspired me to share my own story on my podcast. So, you know, I was always known as the kid who was scared and nervous about things. Um, I... I'm scared of dogs. I, I, okay, I don't even know if I want to say it in present tense anymore because I think now I've been able to manage my fear a little bit that I wouldn't necessarily go, oh, I run in the other direction when I see dogs. I just know I stiffen up um, around them. So if, if you see me and I'm not reaching down and petting your dog, um, that's where I'm at, but it's light years from where I've been. I used to cry if they came too close. And, um, you know, I, I went through school for, uh, counseling psych and I learned about exposure therapy and decided one summer I'm going to continue to expose myself until, um, I'm not crying when I'm in presence of a dog and, and I'm not. So, um, that's as far as that went. And I wasn't proud of that. I I was really anxious about a lot of things, pretty slow to warm. Um, yeah, that, that just kind of how I was as a kid. And I remember I was getting ready to do, um, I was going to sing as Antu, my best friend was going to accompany me on piano and we were going to, uh, do the song, kiss the rain for her recital. And, I told my grandma how nervous I was. I said I was going to sing by myself just to a piano in front of people. And I'm so nervous. And she's like, oh, of course you are. You're my scaredy cat grandkid. And I was like, you're not wrong. But I didn't love it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she the word she used was gong ling yak lama. And I was like, you're right. Don't love that. Um, but, but it was the truth. And, you know, I think it's partially why I'm so into self-development and it's because, uh, in my twenties, I learned that I do get to have a say in some of the dispositions I felt like I was born with. And granted, I'm not fearless now. I know how to relate and manage my fear so that, um, hopefully I'm not known as the scaredy cat anymore, but, uh, 
but I've, I've really learned to manage in a way that you feel the fear and um, you really discern whether or not it gets to hold you anymore. Um, the other thing that was difficult for me was that I feel things very deeply. I would consider myself one of those highly sensitive people. Um, that is a thing. And when I started reading about that, I felt so recognized because, gosh, even my mom criticized me for being so sensitive and I was like, I don't even know why I'm sensitive. Um, that's a thing. Highly sensitive persons is a thing and it is me and um, it's it's both equally my strength and my weakness and I can tell when it spirals into a weakness. And so, um, yeah, I feel things so, so deeply. I feel my own experiences and I can also feel other people's as well. And that became problematic Um eventually it has influenced my behavior a whole lot I've um been able to anticipate other people's feelings and therefore changing my behavior to do that has worked for me and also has been very disadvantageous for me and so those are the two presenting things that have um really impacted my mental mental health journey in general um, and both things I feel like, uh, really had, um, pretty steep cliffs at different times in my life. Um, so that now I'm talking about them as like two kind of junctions that, that I've really had to work through. Whereas I, I've experienced this my whole life. So in 2016, um, that was when my anxiety needed to be managed. It was a big deal at the time. I was graduating from my program. Graduate school just made me so anxious all the time. Like major imposter syndrome. I never thought that I was good enough. Um, and that really imp- impacted my performance in the classes. I would psych myself out for assignments, procrastinate, avoid them, freak out over the deadlines. Um, all of that. And um, I was interning as well. And so in the same sense, I was finding progress into my internship experience, but also really deeply overwhelmed by the assignments and um, just the fact that I was the only one that didn't want to go into mental health counseling after I completed this program. Just there were so many things. And on top of that, I was planning a wedding that year. And anyone who's planned a wedding knows how much family dynamics play into that. I was deeply unprepared for how much goes into that. It mixes in with what everyone wants for you, tangled with whatever you've envisioned for yourself. And somehow you manage your emotions with your partner's and um and both families and who's the dominant figure on both sides uh what are they saying what pressures they have and we had this added cultural element you know picking and choosing what traditions we upkeep and which ones we have to forego and gosh there was so so many things and so deep deeply anxious I'll say um you know, I had been going to school for mental health counseling and, you know, we had to do a self-assessment one day and I thought, oh my gosh, I scored pretty low and that says that, hmm, 
I'm really anxious. And, uh, and even then I still just stiff armed and was like, no, but you're going to truck along like you always do. Um, immigrant family, right? And so we all have this mentality of truck along. Like if it feels icky, you just put your head down, keep working and work through it and work through it in a sense of keep on working. <laughs> Don't pay attention to it. Not work through it as in here's here's the thing. Let's, let's process it. it. It's really just keep on moving. Keep it busy. And I really took that posture until, um, until one day my heart was not beating correctly. And when I say that, I felt like it skipped a beat. Um, not on purpose. I'd be just stagnant sitting, reading. Um, and it was irregular and I thought, oh, that's really weird. And I think I rated so long that my body acted up in a way that I couldn't ignore it. Mind you, I was going to school for counseling. My stubbornness had me look away until my body stood up and was like, hey, if you want to ignore your mental health, fine. If you're losing sleep, fine. But here, pay attention to this girly. How about your heart? Get it checked. And so I actually, I went to the doctor and um, he was asking what was going on in my life. The nurse was like, oh, I hear it. Oh my gosh, that is a regular Um, but I think after some question asking, it was really evident to him that it was, uh, circumstantial. And, and so he prescribed me some meds and he assured me, he was like, this might just be for the season of life. You've got so, so much going on. Try this out. And you know, I did, I, uh, I tried it out and I was so lethargic, um, that day. I felt like, I woke up, but my body wasn't getting up. And, and so I didn't love the feeling, but that was my initiation into going, okay, I'm, I'm going to start therapy. I go to graduate school. I know that's a resource. So I met with a therapist from the graduate school I was attending and gosh, I found it so helpful to cry to her and really have someone help me digest the mess of life events I was experiencing. Um, and, and yeah, just knowing that there was someone in my corner to hear this was monumental. And then I would have homework, things to work on, things to process, things to help me really feel like I have some perspective around what I was experiencing. So I, I moved from survival mode to let's step out of this and kind of look at it. Let's look at all of this stuff. And that alone was really helpful. So sometimes it might feel like in talk therapy, you're just venting to your therapist or um, just kind of divulging information and there's not much going on. Um, It's really helpful to do that with someone who's trained to ask you questions. I know not all therapists are the same. And um, there is a sense of match that you ought ought to feel with yours. And so I would highly encourage you to date your therapist to make sure that it's someone that is worthy of hearing your darkest, is worthy of um, challenging your beliefs and things like that as well. That's really important that you trust them. And, and gosh, I think it's such a wonder to be able to vent to someone who is not your friend. I know a lot of our friends can take up that 
role in our lives. I know that before I was going into school for counseling, I happily assumed the role in my life. Um, Gosh, it really helps my relationships to have someone designated for that, to get paid to be there for me, um, so that I could just play with the people who are choosing to be with me, and I can bring the sides of me. Um, not that I wasn't telling my friends about what I was going through, but the the deep work I was doing um, was with my therapist. Um, so it really took a lot of what I learned in those lessons after I graduated, um, and I needed a stop because once I graduated, I no longer went to school there. That that therapist and I had to discontinue. But I I really would have loved to keep working with her. And you know, after both weddings, it seemed like my anxiety tapered, and um, you know, I was able to really manage it. It, you know, I think it's always there, but there's points, you know, um, in counseling, one of the things we think about is frequency and is it affecting your ability to function regularly? Okay. So frequency, um, and how severe everything is and how much it interacts with how you can function at the basic levels. And so I was like, I'm still anxious, but I'm managing, I'm, I'm functioning just fine. And so, um, I took that to just be like, okay, I think we're good. I don't need to find another one yet. And I trusted that I would know what it would feel like to need it again. And so that brings us to last May. (laughs) And, and I was reaching this point where I was, um, feeling really sick of how empathetic I was. And so I started therapy telling her, um, I'm just, I just don't want to be empathetic anymore. And, uh, I know empathy is a strength. And at the time I also knew it was a strength, but I also knew that it was the source of my demise at the time. It was too draining. I felt like I definitely was feeling feelings that weren't mine um, I was downloading experiences that weren't mine, just the people around me, and it had me interfere with other people's lives in ways that um, I didn't appreciate myself doing, and neither did anyone else, and so um, I was really sick of myself at that time, and so that was my prompting to go get help, and you know, this last year has been riddled with needing to break old patterns and and things like that. And so I think the pause in the world turning and all of us doing our separate things and being stressed out so much, the pause really prompted me to kind of focus on some of those old patterns that I've lived with for years, you know. And we looked back and figured, oh, here's where it came out. Oh, here's where it started. Here's where I've learned this. Here's where I felt like this was a burden, but here's where um, I could start putting some boundaries around it to make it manageable, you know, and this therapist in particular challenged my thought patterns a lot, um, and that was really, really helpful because those needed to break for me to to get to what I needed in terms of sticking up for 
myself and putting boundaries in healthy places that will help me function. And, um, and yeah, it really took every single month of just processing to have homework to really think about what what these experiences are like, what's going on in my head when this happens, what we want to go on in my head when this happens. And I think um, there were even instances where I was like, oh my gosh, I know the Anne from the past would have done it this way. And the Anne that had processed this with the therapist decided this is the new way we're going to do it. And that was when I was realizing, oh, I'm picking up these skills I'm picking up these tools and I'm I'm creating new pathways for for the way that I behave. So it was really helpful and it didn't always feel good. I think it's important to know that therapy is actually um, good work, but it has a good hurt that comes with it. Similarly to working out, you know, you get sore. It's hard, um, but it's impactful in that way. Um, and so if we're avoiding hurt, what are we protecting, you know, and, and what are we perpetuating? So really think about that. Now, a full year later, I think I've, I've figured out how to be empathetic, but in a healthy way that allows me to be my best self no matter what, and not accidentally empath what's not mine. And that allows me to continue to show up as the me that's me and not the me that is absorbing everyone else's name like experiences and difficulties and things like that and there are contexts in which I can do that and I know when to turn it on and off or before I would just walk in a room and feel everything um here's an example I I proctored ACTs for a bit pre-pandemic so it was like a year or two ago And I would walk into a room of anxious high schoolers and it felt like I was bathing in their anxiety because, you know, ACTs were a big deal. And and as high school students, you're just like, wait, you know, my acceptance to colleges relies on this and it's four hours of it. And I I really felt like I sat in anxiety. (laughs) Um, That wasn't mine, but I felt it. My body digested it just like it would if I was experiencing something nerve-wracking you know just watching them taking that test and so again I think if I were to you know ever proctor again I would do the prep work and (laughs) do what I needed to do to make sure um, that maybe we close ourselves off to that not that you know I would be a shell of myself but again position myself in a way that sets me up to to be able to separate myself from that I also you know feel really deeply on the state of the world and that's been really hard um, to live in my slice of reality Um, just digesting the heaviness that comes with everything we've been dealing with all the systems that we've noticed all the work we have to do to dismantle everything that is wrong with the world. All these systems, you know, where do you start? They're all kind of webby. Um, so I still need to watch where my energy goes and do my best to conserve what I do have. And um, that protection is my self-care for the long term. So 
um, really finding the balance between knowing and hearing and having a pulse on what's going on, but also um, lifting how much I ingest that to, to make sure I'm still functioning in my own way as well. So that's been very difficult, but I think we've all been trying to navigate that in our own ways. So I share this wondering how all of you are doing. Who's in your corner? And if there are areas in your life needing some special attention, what areas are they? It can be tough to get what you need or to see what you might need. Um, But I want to encourage you that if you can relate to my stories at all today and need support finding help or resources, please let me know. Um, I'm happy to help because I know firsthand it's the biggest step to make. You know, once you take that first step there, you build momentum, but sometimes you need company um, to make that first step. And I highly encourage it um, to try it out, you know. So thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. I appreciate you all so, so much. I promise there's so much more to come. I'm really excited for you to see um, what I've got in store this summer. So till next time, and I promise you it won't be too far off. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Girl With The Mic. I know there are so many podcasts that you could be listening to right now, so it's such an honor that you chose to hear me out. Now, if you're really enjoying any of these episodes or if you have a favorite or if there's a particular quote, please continue to interact with me on Instagram. I've really enjoyed your feedback on specific episodes and specific messages. Um, And in addition, if you can, and you're feeling moved to do so, head over to Apple Podcasts and offer me a rating. Let me know what you think. Write me a review. No pressure there. But if you're feeling like, ah, how else can I support Anne? Those are a couple of ways I can think of. Thanks so much for tuning in. And again, thank you so much for your support.